0: Glory to God. Join hands with somebody. I didn't say bump fist. Join hands. Looks like to me, our church is getting back to normal. And normal around here is a move of God. Hallelujah. Amen. We're having revival. It's just been preaching for weeks. Glory to God. Father, in the name of Jesus... I pray over every person in this auditorium. I pray for every person watching by live stream all over the world. I pray for the people that will be watching this in the days ahead that are not watching it live now. Thousands of people will be watching in a few days. And I pray over them. And I pray the joy of the Lord will be restored in their lives. In the name of Jesus For those that have joy Those that remain Joyful and are always rejoicing Satan has no defense against that He can't beat them He can't deceive them And he can't rob them of what belongs to them In the name of Jesus And by the way, Satan, the Bible says when you catch a thief, make him recompense sevenfold. You're a thief. And we demand that you restore everything that has been stolen sevenfold in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We rejoice in the goodness of our God. And we decree the best is yet to come. Say it with me, the best is yet to come. come. And give the Lord your greatest shout this morning. Amen. 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 Praise God. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Wow. Wow. Like I heard somebody say one time. If you're not on fire yet, then your wood is wet. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. I want you to open your Bibles, first of all, this morning to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24. I want to read one verse. It's found in verse 10. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. I heard someone say many years ago, and I can't improve on it, so I'm just going to borrow it. That adversity is a pivotal moment in our lives that calls for some kind of response. We all experience adversity from time to time. Some of you are experiencing it right now. People watching. Adversity is taking place in their lives and some are not responding to it as they should or as the Bible teaches. There is a right way And there's a wrong way to respond to adversity. The Bible way always works, always produces results. The Bible way is not always in the natural, the sensible way. It doesn't make sense to our natural minds sometimes. But it's God's way, the Bible way, and it always works. So we're gonna talk about this morning. As I've been directed by the Holy Spirit to share with you, and I just simply am calling it, How do you respond to a crisis? How do you respond to adversity? Now, I want to make a few statements here before I uh, continue reading the scripture. And I want to say these to you. I, I wrote this down this morning, and I don't want to overlook any of it, so I'm just going to read it right off my notes. Everyone responds to adversity in some way, either positive or negative. No one remains neutral. And how you respond reveals what you're made of. I'm going to say that one again. How you respond reveals what you're made of. Don't allow yourself to become dejected or discouraged And don't allow fear to creep in when you're facing adversity. Stay focused on what God's word promises. Look at this as an opportunity to show your adversary that you are not moved. And that your trust is in the Lord and that he will make a way for you to overcome. Turn this negative situation into something productive. Show the devil that he's not dealing with a coward nor a quitter. And never forget that your future is still bright. God has already arranged this for you. Press on, as the apostle Paul would tell us. Refuse to believe that you are hopelessly constrained by your circumstances. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, including overcoming what you're going through right now you have the capacity for resilience the holy spirits in you will assist you to bounce back no matter how severe your attack has been amen i know most of you and i'll take a little sidetrack here i know most of you know that uh i'm a boxing enthusiast i love boxing no you don't understand I love boxing <laughs> And I've had the privilege Of going to many many Professional Very Some of which were called The fight of the decade the fights over the years I don't go to them anymore I just watch them on TV When they come on But I used to go to them And I used to have the opportunity To, to be a mentor To some professional boxers Go to training camp with them And uh I just enjoy boxing. I like it. Uh, I like the skills, the technique. Uh, Terry, my daughter, Terry, one time when she was just a little girl. no, Geriana watched boxing with me. But Terry, she would come in there. And and when they were in a clinch, she'd say, Daddy, why are they hugging? I thought they didn't like each other. (laughs) I said, Terry, go to your room. And I get into it. I don't. I don't just watch it. I help them. When it's over with, I need a rub down and a shower. I am absolutely worn out. I throw punches. I duck. I weave. I told Thomas the Hitman Hearns one time. He came to a meeting I was doing in Detroit. I said, "Hitman, you wouldn't have won that fight the other night if it hadn't been for me. I was helping you." And I'd like to have one of your belts. (laughs) But my reason for bringing it up is, I've been to many fights where someone got knocked down, almost knocked out, and kept getting back up. They just wouldn't accept defeat. And that's always uh, amazed me to see the resilience of some people. I told Evander Holyfield one time, uh, I, I, I went to watch Evander train for the Olympics. Uh, Carol and I went to the Olympics, went to all the boxing matches and watched Evander in those uh, Olympics. And then when he turned professional, if I had an opportunity, I'd go watch him fight. And uh, uh, when I would go to Creflo Dollar's church, Evander would it was a member of that church and, and in between services, they had two morning services in between services. Evander would come into the speaker's room and uh, visit with me. And, uh, and of course we would talk about the Lord, but before it was over, we'd talk about boxing. Then we'd talk about the Lord again. And, uh, I told him one time, I said, Evander, I've been watching boxing all my life. I go as far back as listening to it on radio with my dad. When Joe Lewis was fighting, when Sugar Ray Robinson was fighting, and, and the, the old time boxers. And uh, I said, and when they had the Friday night fights on television when I was a kid, Dad and I'd sit there every Friday night and watch those fights, and Dad and I both would be ducking and weaving, you know. And, and uh, <clears throat> I said, but I've never seen anybody that is more focused than you are when you come out of that dressing room. He is so focused. I mean, just determined that I'm going to win and nobody's going to take my belt away from me. And many times, if you ever watched it and they show him coming out of the dressing room, you'll see his mouth moving. He's praying in tongues. (laughs) Amen. He's praying in tongues. And, and, And that big fight, the first fight that he had with Mike Tyson, If any of you see it, if you remember the song that was playing when he was walking to the ring is a song that's, the words are, uh, 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 about I will dance like David danced. I will shout like David shouted. I don't know the name of it, but that's it. And that was playing thousands of people in that arena and hundreds of thousands watching on television. When the spirit of the Lord comes on my life, I will dance like David danced. Come on. Now, who is going to beat a fighter singing that when he comes out? You know? <laughs> so good. But I've seen him get knocked down. In fact, one of the first fights that he fought in Atlanta, where he's from, as a professional, uh, he got knocked down in that fight in his own hometown. That's a bad place to fight to fight in your own hometown. But... When, when he got knocked down And the guy looked like he was going to You know, defeat Evander But he just kept getting up Resilience Resilience You know, people that don't even have the Holy Spirit Know about resilience Amen And you and I are filled with the Holy Ghost Amen That we should never stay down We might get knocked down from time to time, but we never stay down. Amen. For you and I to stay down is to just quit because there's no reason for it. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, I may not know what you're going through, but I do know this. If you're full of the Holy Spirit, then it's never over until God says it's over. And God will never say it's over until you win. Can you say amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, "I've I've got Holy Ghost resilience. So, once again, you have the capacity for resilience. The Holy Spirit in you will assist you in bouncing back no matter what you are presently going through. Keep a positive mindset and a winner mentality. Look at your neighbor and say, keep a positive mindset and a winner mentality Say it again keep a positive mindset and a winner mentality Constantly decree according to 1 John chapter 5 verse 4 I am a world overcoming overcomer and nothing shall be impossible unto me Say that with me I am a world overcomer and nothing Shall be impossible unto me Now let me give you some scriptures That deal with Adversity and what we can expect from God I'm not going to ask you to turn to them I'll just read them to you You might want to make a note of them Look them up yourself Psalm Psalm 94 13 from the message translation God will never walk away from his people Never desert his precious people Rest assured that justice is on its way. Psalm 9, 9, the Lord will be a refuge in times of trouble. The Passion Translation says, he'll be a perfect hiding place. Verse 10 from the Passion Translation says, May everyone who knows your mercy keep putting their trust in you, for they can count on you for help no matter what. Hallelujah. That's a wonderful promise. Amen. Yes. Psalm 27 verse 1 and verse 3 from the message translation. With him on my side, I'm fearless, afraid of no one and nothing. When besieged, I'm calm as a baby. When all hell breaks loose, I'm collected and cool. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, I'm cool. No, <laughs> say, I'm cool psalm thirty four seventeen the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their trouble Amen. psalm forty six verse one and two from the passion translation god you 're a proven help in time of trouble, more than enough, and always available, so we will never fear. These are just a few verses talking about the promises of God to be with us and to comfort us and to deliver us in times of adversity. And obviously there are many, many more, but the bottom line is God can be depended upon. Thank you for your enthusiasm. God can be depended upon. If we keep our eyes on him, keep our eyes on his word, stay in faith, then everything's going to turn out just right. Right? Refuse to faint, refuse to give up, and refuse to quit. And then look at somebody and tell them this, help is on its way. way. Believe me, I know because he's never let me down. And I've faced adversity just like you do. Some of which you will never face because you're not responsible for what I'm responsible for. To whom much is given, much is required. The Bible says, but trust me. In 51 years, God has never let me down. Hallelujah. Now I had to take a stand. And having done all to stand, I stood. And sometimes it wasn't easy. Sometimes I'd ask the Lord, what else do I need to do? And he'd say, stand. I said, I'm doing that. What else? He said, stand. Now you're scriptural. Having done all to stand, stand. I wanted to say, often. Is there anybody else up there? I'd like a second opinion. <laughs> but I know you're not going to change God's mind nor His word. Having done all to stand, there was someone asked me just a few days ago on the phone. Um, I was I was talking to this person. They said, "My faith is weak. I'm, I'm, I've I've been through so much. I just don't think I can." Take any more. I said, sir, and he was a friend of mine. I knew him well. I said, sir, if you can't take any more, then Jesus failed at Calvary. Come on. Come on, Amen. Amen. If you can't take anything the devil can dish out, then the blood of Jesus didn't work, the death and resurrection of Jesus didn't work. But it did. And you can take anything the devil can dish out. Amen. 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 Now, what I was endeavoring to do was to stir him up. Like I remember years ago, there was a a man up in Nebraska. Uh, We had gone up, uh, I'm sorry, in Kansas. We'd gone up to do some meetings in this meeting in Kansas. And uh, uh, a man that had helped us arrange the meetings he said, uh, "I've invited the meanest, baddest man in this town to the meeting tonight." And uh, I said, well, "What's he so bad and mean about?" He said, "Well, he's, he he fights all the time. He gets drunk. He's in and out of jail all the time. He's just a bad man. But I've invited him to come tonight." Well, he came, and God saved, God filled with the Holy Spirit, and and believed that. He had been called to the ministry. Now he was like the apostle Paul, you know, he was like the apostle Paul. Nobody wanted to be around him right away. You know, when Paul was still Saul of Tarsus before he got born again, there were some people wasn't sure that, you know, it took in him because he's so mean, you know, and and this guy, he was mean and, uh, but he got born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. And he believed he's called to preach. So he said, can I call you every once in a while to get some advice? I said, sure. So he'd call and, and uh, he'd been listening to one of, back then it was tapes. He'd listen to one of my tapes and this was in the late seventies. And he'd listen to Brother Copeland, listen to Brother Hagin. And boy, when I'd answer the phone, it sounded like all three of us all at one time. Just He just, just preaching everything he'd heard us say. And boy, he was fired up You'd have to, you'd have to put the phone way out here Because he's shouting I said, I believe you man, I believe you And then, and then, and then we'd hang up And he'd do that quite often And uh, he'd get excited he had, to, he had to have an outlet You know, he had to tell it Share it to somebody Well one day he called And he was crying I said, is this And I called his name He said, yeah I said, what's the matter with you? He said, it's not working, Brother Jerry. It's not working. I've done everything you said, Brother Copeland said, and Kenneth Hagin said, and it's not working. And oh, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I said, well, boy, I was lied to about you. He said, what? I said, well, before I met you, I was told you was the baddest man in town. Sound like a wimp to me. And I was glad he was in Kansas and I was in Fort Worth. <laughs> you can say that over the phone, you know. I said, you sound like a wimp to me. He said, I am not a wimp. And boy, he started in confessing the word. And in a little while, I had to put the phone way out of here again. Boy, he got so fired up. Praise God. Sometimes you just need to talk people into winning. I said, sometimes you just need to talk people into winning. Amen. I, I remember my dad, before he passed away, he, he'd had severe heart attacks as, as young as 50 years old. And we didn't even know it. We didn't know it was heart attacks. But later, uh, he had severe heart attack and, and wasn't expected to live much longer. But I just knew it wasn't time for him to leave and I wasn't, gonna, I wasn't willing to let him go. Come on. And so I'd have to go over to his house. And sometimes he'd be laying in bed there and he, and my mom, I, I asked my mom one time, I said, where's dad? She said, well, he's in his bedroom. I said, what's he doing? She said, well, last time I was in there, he's crying. I said, what's he crying about, mom? She said, he said, well, he, he, he's just, he's, he's tired. I said, well, I'll go in and talk to him. So I went in there and pulled up a chair next to him, laid my hands on his chest, kissed him on the cheek like I always did. And uh, told him I loved him. I said, Dad, uh, what are you crying about? He said, son, I'm tired. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I can go much longer. And so I said, well, Dad, just lay there and let me preach to you a little bit. So I preached to him, and boy, he, you, could see, you could see the fire coming back, you know. I had to talk my dad into winning. I had to talk him into living because he'd given up. And I talked him into living. Well, it wouldn't be, you know, several months later and and he'd be down again. And one day I said, uh, I went over there and I said, dad, I want you up and dressed in the morning at nine o'clock. I'm coming to get you. He said, where are we going? I said, I'll tell you when we get there. Just be up and dressed. You're going with me. And so we got in the car and we headed out to Texas Motor Speedway. I had hired a driver and put my dad in one of those race cars and hired that man to drive him 20 laps. And boy, my dad lasted another 15 years. Hallelujah. See, I'm just trying to get him inspired, get him fire back. Cause dad raced cars all my young life. And I knew being in a race car, man, that adrenaline would get to pumping again, you know? And, and, uh, and, and yeah, he just kept living then, praise God. And he lived to be about, what was it? 70, about around 70 or 72, something like that. 72, I believe it was. Sometimes you just have to uh, talk people into winning. You know, encourage people into winning. Don't ever, don't ever sympathize with people. They don't need sympathy. Sympathy looks at the problem and says, yes, you have a problem. I wish there was something we could do. A believer should never say, I wish there was something we could do. There is something we can do. Amen. Amen. They don't need sympathy. Sometimes they just need, and i say this just as kind as I can. Sometimes they just need the the slack jerked out from under them. The slack jerked out of them, you know? And, you know, I can't find anywhere in the Bible where someone came to Jesus with a major problem, a major issue, and he put his hand on him and patted him. Bless your darling heart. <laughs> Nobody has ever been through what you're going through right now. I think I'm going to tear up. No. Sometimes he just got right in their face. Amen. He said, do you really believe I can do this? Yeah, Lord. <laughs> Amen. So how you respond to adversity is going to determine, obviously, your outcome. And a lot of Christians respond to it in a negative way. And that's the reason why they don't get very far into God's best for their lives. Now, let's read this scripture again. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Another word for adversity is the word crisis. The 1828 Webster Dictionary defines adversity Or crisis, and listen to this, as an event or events which oppose your success. Adversity or a crisis is defined once again as an event or events that oppose your success. So now it is very obvious where this is coming from. God's not opposed uh, opposing your success. God's not against you being successful or prosperous. In fact, he's for it. Amen. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to prosper. So a crisis or adversity, obviously, is coming from our adversary. Adversity, adversary, adversity, adversary. Didn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Amen. Amen. And once again, it is designed by him to oppose you being successful. It's also defined as that which causes misfortune, calamity, affliction, distress, and listen to this, or a state of unhappiness. A state of unhappiness. That doesn't mean uh, you're just unhappy. For a, a little while You're in a state of unhappiness And that's where a lot of Christians are right now In a state of unhappiness It's on them all the time They get up in the morning unhappy They go through the day unhappy They, they go to bed at night unhappy They're in a state of unhappiness Because of the adversity that they're experiencing But it doesn't have to be that way can you say amen? amen? My Bible says, happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Yes. I've said many times, based on what the apostle Paul said in Ephesians, he says that, that the only people in the, on the planet that have a right to be unhappy are people that don't know God and don't have a covenant. Right. Well, we know God. Amen. Lift your hands if you know God. Lift your hands if you have a covenant. Then you're no longer entitled to be unhappy. Put a smile on your face and say, thanks, I needed that. Amen. Amen. Now, I think you would agree that this pandemic that we're experiencing here in our state, our nation, all over the world would certainly come under these uh, definitions. They fit. And please understand, I am not endeavoring to make light of this pandemic, because it is serious. It's taking lives. A lot of people are hurting because of it. A lot of people have lost their jobs. A lot of people are, are existing barely on what they've got left in savings. Some are even having to take the retirement funds and live on them. Some people are having to move, sell their homes and move into a rented home or or something. And some people are even having to live in shelters. This is serious. And I'm I'm not making little of it. But if God did not provide a way for us to overcome it, then what kind of God would he be? My Bible says he's a good God. My Bible says he's not only good, but he's the author of good. What kind of God, I wouldn't serve him. What kind of God would sit around in luxury and watch his people suffer? Mm. Amen? Amen. I mean, you have heard His gates are carved out of one pearl. (laughs) Streets are paved with gold. You ever read the description of the throne room? What kind of God would live in that kind of atmosphere and pay no attention when his children are suffering? It's not the God I serve. Amen. My God is a good God. Look at your neighbor and say, my God, God. my God is a good God. Now, is anyone interested in here today as to what the Bible says about how to face adversity? Yes. Anybody interested? Yes. Or would you rather watch CNN? <laughs> That's the problem with a lot of people right now. They're watching CNN too much. And I can't find anywhere in the Bible where it says, faith cometh by hearing by CNN. No, faith does not come by watching CNN. Fear cometh, dread cometh, worry cometh. That's what, that's what cometh when you watch CNN day in and day out. Amen. I'm not watching that stuff. Got enough trouble as it is. Don't need news people telling me, More's coming. I'm depending on God. I'm trusting Him, hallelujah. Somebody said, And how's that turning out for you, Brother Jerry? Oh, marvelous. Hallelujah. Marvelous, glory to God. Amen. Now, I'm gonna read it again, Proverbs twenty four ten. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Now, let me use some other words that are synonymous with the word strength. Uh, I'm sorry, with the word small. Number one, inferior, diminished, deficient, and even substandard. So let me read that scripture with these other words that are synonymous with the word small. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is inferior. Your strength is diminished, deficient, and substandard. And what does the Bible tell us as to where our strength comes from? Nehemiah eight ten. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Say that with me. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Say it again. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So if that's true and it is, then could Solomon be telling us here that if we faint in the day of adversity, then it's because our joy has been diminished and our joy has become deficient and our joy has become substandard. I think we've just answered the question. Amen. If you look around today, there's a lot of Christians that either have no joy or it is diminished. And I don't think they realize how important their joy is to victory, success. Back in 1981, uh, we had a board meeting. All of our board of directors came in from all over the nation. We had our business meeting and went over all the, the uh, accomplishments of the year in the ministry and, and, and what our vision was for the coming year and so forth. Gave them the financial statements and all that. And then when the meeting was over with, we all had a meal together, some fellowship. Some of them uh, were staying in our home others staying in hotels, but we had everybody come to our home that night. We continued our fellowship and and then uh, those that were staying in hotels left. And finally, it was nearly one o'clock in the morning before I got to bed. And I had to get up the next morning and fly to Tulsa to preach with Kenneth Hagin at Raymont And so I was tired. I mean, we'd had a, a long weekend and I was ready for bed. I laid down. Carolyn was already in bed. I laid down and the moment my head hit the pillow. I heard these words. If Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. I said out loud, not now, Lord, I'm tired. I closed my eyes again. He said, if Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. I said, Lord, that's wonderful. I'll study that tomorrow. I closed my eyes. He said, if Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. I said, okay. I got up. Carolyn said, when I got up, I woke her up. She said, where are you going? I said, to my study. She said, why? It's one o'clock in the morning. I said, the Lord said something to me and I got to go pray it out. She said, you're leaving at seven o'clock in the morning. I said, I know, but I got to do this. So I went to my study and began to pray it out while once I began to pray it out and the Lord began to share with me about the force of joy, the power of joy, I got so excited I could not go to sleep. I could hardly wait to go to Tulsa and I preached it for the first time at Rama. And then I preached it shortly after that in Brother Copeland's Believers Convention. And I preached it every day about if Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. And then from that, we put it in a a little book. If Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. This book has gone around the world. At the time of this printing, uh, there there was a quarter of a million copies out. Then they started printing it in different languages. It's been reprinted at least ten, maybe fifteen times. I've written over 80 books and this is still one of my best-selling books. And everywhere I go, people, at least one person will say to me, Brother Jerry, that book or that message on if Satan can't steal you joy, he can't keep you good, changed my life. Amen. Up until that time, I did not know about the power of joy. In fact, I was... Uh, When I'd go to a meeting, if I wasn't speaking, I really was not into the praise and worship. I mean, I would sing and all, but I was ready for the word. You know, particularly if it was a a great man of faith. You know, get off the platform, let the man come in. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just being honest. Sorry. (laughs) I've changed. Hallelujah. Amen. I changed. And I I just had the attitude that's that's, that's all all this singing is not going to do me any good. I need the word. I want the word. Amen. You know, get off the stage. We want the word. (laughs) And I was invited to speak in Muskogee, Oklahoma, at a full gospel businessman's regional convention. And myself and Charles Caps and Vicky Jameson and a man named Bill Bozanski were the speakers. And I'd heard of Bill Bozanski because he was a, a, a regular to a lot of the Full Gospel Businessmen meeting, but I'd never met him. So uh, Demas Shikarian who was the founder of Full Gospel Businessmen, was there. And they had all of us speakers on a on a stage, and uh, tables set up because they they had a it was a banquet meal as well, and we're all sitting on the stage, and all the audience is out in front of us like you are. So Charles Caps is sitting next to me, and Vicky Jameson, No, I'm sorry, uh, Vicky Jameson on the other side of Charles, and then Demas Shekarian, because I was speaking that night, and and he was sitting next to me. He was going to introduce me, and so. <laughs> Uh, this Bill Bozanski, he was only going to be there for one, uh, he was he was going to be there that day for a service and he was going to be in the service that night. But I hadn't heard him yet. I was preparing for the service while he was speaking that afternoon so I wasn't in the meeting. So I don't know Bill Bozanski from Adam. And so we're sitting on the platform there and they're doing the praise and the worship and everybody's singing and there's a big crowd there and I'm looking and finally through the door back there, a guy come in and he's dancing and he's pulling people out in the aisle, to dance with him and he would dance with them and twirl them around and everything, you know, and then he'd, he'd leave them alone and he'd go get somebody else. And he did that all the way to the platform and I'm thinking. Eventually some usher is going to set this nut down (laughs) Amen That's what I thought But they didn't And then he started coming up on the stage I thought they're going to let him up here I I thought he You know full gospel businessmen back in those days Drew a lot of weird people (laughs) In fact in that very same meeting There was a guy they called the Birdman. Did anybody ever hear of the Birdman? The Birdman. He would come to the full gospel businessmen's meetings and he would stand out in the streets and do songs in a bird tweet. In fact, that morning in our hotel, how many of you remember Russ Taft with the Imperials? Russ was working for me then. And I got up that morning To shave and shower And when I got out of the shower I was standing there in the mirror And I heard this bird outside (laughs) Singing The Star Spangled Banner (laughs) I called Russ I said you hear that bird He said yeah I said he's he's tweeting The Star Spangled Banner I said Russ go catch that bird We can make millions off of him You know (laughs) So Russ went outside and it was the bird man That's the first time we ever heard of the bird man And he would come into the full gospel businessmen meetings And Demas would get all over him Because he'd just interrupt the whole meeting And he'd come through there And he'd start whistling these crazy songs And he'd sound just like a bird And he did this all over the country And Demas, in fact, Demas stood up that, that night And said, Birdman, I told you if you ever do this again, I'm not going to let you in another meeting. Now sit down and shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Now I don't know what that was in bird language, but I don't think it was appropriate. (laughs) So, There were weird people that came. Flaky people would come. Ooh, you know. So I'm thinking this guy is one of those flakes. So he comes up on the stage. And the president of that chapter was sitting on the end. And the music is still playing and everything. And the president of that chapter is sitting on the end. And and. uh this guy grabs his arm and starts dancing with him on the stage. Then he let go of him, and he went to the next person. And he danced with them. And I'm kind of looking out the corner of my eye. And Charles Caps is next to me. Now, Charles was the most conservative guy you ever met in your life. He was born with a crew cut, and he went to heaven with a crew cut. Charles used to say, I'm like God, I changeth not. (laughs) Charles did not dance. Charles did not even sing. (laughs) In fact, the first time Brother Copeland invited Phil Driscoll to a believers convention in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now Phil had long hair, but he was bald on the front. I'll never forget what Charles said. Phil, if you're watching this, I'm sorry. But I got to tell it. When when Brother Copeland introduced Phil and he come out there with that trumpet, man, I'd never heard anybody play a trumpet like him. When he walked out there, though, Charles said, my God, look what the dogs drug in. (laughs) And he played that trumpet so loud. And it was, I mean, it was amazing. Charles got up. I didn't know where he was going, but he got up and he went to the restroom and put toilet paper in his ears. Now that's, that's how conservative Charles was. He never, he never smiled. He never, he never got into it. He just stood there like this. Well, Charles is next. I'm looking over here like this. And that that guy grabbed Charles' arm, went to dancing with him. Charles never moved. He stayed at a tear. And this arm's doing this. (laughs) Charles never moved. Just kept looking straight forward. Finally, the guy gave up on him and now I'm next. I thought, oh, man, there went my arm, you know. I thought, well, I don't want to look like a fool, you know. And and looked like you know, I'm not in with the program, so I danced with him. And much to my surprise, the joy of the Lord hit me. Yeah. Turns out this nut was Bill Bazanski, <laughs> and Bill and I became closest of friends. Oh, we traveled together all over the world. Bill and B, his wife, we loved each other. We just we just had a marvelous time. And I told Bill, and I told it at his funeral, his home going. I said, Bill Bozanski is responsible for Jerry Savelle having joy. He taught me the power of joy. And you couple joy and faith together, that's an unbeatable team. Amen. When you have the joy of the Lord, and you're not afraid to express it, Amen. Amen. Come on, you have the joy of the Lord, man. I've had the joy of the Lord hit me in meetings, and I dance like a wild man. Amen. Sometimes, cause I'm proud of my Cherokee heritage, I sound like a wild Indian. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Come on, mostly in my study in you know my <laughs> library, but boy, I get to dance around like a wild Indian. Hey, hey, hey. Oh. And I noticed Brother Copeland does the same thing. Sometimes when we're together in meetings and we're in prayer together, he's over Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Amen. I got joy today. Thank God. Thank God that Bill Bozanski Bill came into my life. I got joy. I got joy like a river, Hallelujah. And I'm not afraid to express it. Glory be to God. Come on, you need some joy today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Now, once again, if thou faint in the day of adversity, you could say it this way. It's because your joy is small. Because. Strength comes from joy Amen Your strength Your joy is small It's been diminished I like to tell the devil All the time I still got my joy Practice that I still got my joy Tell the devil I still got my joy Hallelujah. And sometimes, boy, I'm telling you, there, there came a time one time, a really serious attack on our ministry. And I wished I'd never written that book. Because, <laughs> boy, I'm telling you, oh, he was after my joy. And he almost got it. But I was right in the middle of it. I, and I heard the Lord. I heard the Holy Spirit say on the inside of me, you better get a grip on this. If he steals your joy, it'll be easier to steal it the next time. Amen. You just can't let him steal your joy. Anyone like that book? (laughs) Amen. Praise God. Hey. Now they they tell me they brought a box of them over here. If you're if you've never read that book, you need to get a hold of it. It's life-changing. All right now. You could say You can either respond to adversity The Bible way Or you can respond to it The way most people respond And most people Have already Resolved in their minds There's no way I can overcome this There's no way I can win There's no way That I'll ever get over this No that's not the way believers think. That's not the way believers talk, where it shouldn't be. Amen? You might be thinking, but how can I maintain my joy in the midst of all of this? Well, let's let's look at what David had to say about it. Okay. Psalm 16, first of all. Psalm 16. I've got just a few more minutes here. Unless I decide to just keep preaching until six o'clock tonight. No, I'm not going to do that Some of you turned me off right then All right, now Psalm 16 verse 11 says Thou wilt show me the path of life In In thy presence is fullness of joy In thy presence is fullness of joy And at thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Now notice joy comes from being in the presence of God. Now I want you to ask yourself right now. You don't have to say it out loud, but ask yourself right now. How much quality time over the last five, six months have I spent in the presence of God? Now for some Christians it'd be easier for them to answer how much time have I spent in front of a television set? Yeah. Mm. Listening to all the negative things. How much time have you truly spent in the presence of God? I've, I've told Carolyn, I said, you know, on the positive side, this has been the longest extended vacation I've had in 51 years. <laughs> Because I've I just recently started going back out again. And, uh, uh, and it's not that I haven't been busy. I mean, I've been making television broadcasts and doing a, a lot of other things. But we've, we have had the opportunity to spend a lot of time down at our river house. And uh, she'll get up and she'll find me in my study. I get up about 6 o'clock every morning and I'm in that study studying the word, being in the presence of God. And I've said jokingly, but almost true, I've got enough sermons to preach till 2025. (laughs) Just in the last few months of, of things that the Lord has given me. Amen. I've spent a lot of time in his presence. That's the reason I've got joy in the midst of adversity. Not only that, but we're having our finest year. I say, we're having our finest year, hallelujah. Praise God. In fact, tonight, in regard to the church, uh, I am going to give you a state of the church address. And I will approve this message. (laughs) So you need to be here. Some good things have just taken place. So you need to be here, praise God. Then I have an apostolic word for you as well. Now, notice here, in his presence is fullness of joy. So if you don't take the opportunity to be in the presence of God, then it's not likely your joy is going to be up, strong. If you never get in the presence of God, then your joy is going to be diminished Amen. You you don't get joy one time And then that's it You're set for life Being in his presence Why? Because we come under attack all the time We face adversity all the time We counter it By getting in the presence of God Hallelujah Now It's not really that hard A lot of People try to make it hard Religious people try to make it hard. But listen to what James chapter 4, verse 8 says. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. The Amplified Bible says, Come close to God, and he will come close to you. The message translation says, say yes to God, and he'll be there in no time. The Passion translation says, Surrender to God. Move your heart closer to Him and He will come even closer to you. So notice we are the ones who initiate this. God's not going to interrupt your program. God's not going to make you get in His presence. Amen. You, you have to desire it. You have to make a quality decision to do so. And when you do, when you say yes to God about being in his presence, then according to the message translation, he'll be there in no time. Hallelujah. Now, there are Bible ways to get in his presence. Let me share this with you before I get into that. Acts chapter 3 verse 19, the latter part of that verse says, Times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Notice. Times of refreshing. That's what a lot of Christians need right now. They need a refreshing. They need a reviving. Amen? Times of refreshing. And where does this refreshing come from? In the presence of God. The Amplified Amplified Bible says, Times of refreshing, of recovering from the effects of heat, of reviving with fresh air, May come from the presence of the Lord Notice reviving with fresh air Which sometimes You know just, just Being in God's presence Is like a breath of fresh air Like this morning during the praise and worship How many of you sensed a, a breath of fresh air come on. A reviving Praise God You know while you were praising God You weren't thinking about the adversity yes. come on. And it was probably still there But that's not what you were focusing on. You were focusing on being in the presence of God. And you don't have to wait until you come to a church service. You can have church all by yourself. Amen. Man, I I have it in my room every time I get ready to preach. Tony and I were up in, where's that, Illinois? Up there where Tommy is? Iowa. We'd flown up there to do a meeting And he had invited a lot of churches to come And boy the place was packed out We had an auditorium there And they were packed out We got up there And the moment uh, we got in my room I got settled in my room Man the presence of God came all over me And it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon I was so ready for that service Oh, man, it was so strong. It was tangible. I could feel it in my hands. And I'm walking around that room just rejoicing and praising God. I'm experiencing uh, a reviving, a refreshing hallelujah. I could hardly wait for that service to start. By the time I got over there, man, in fact, my hand, isn't that right, Tony? My hand shook all night while I was preaching with the presence of God, my right hand. I'd preach and in my hands doing this. It, it was so powerful. And boy, did we have a move of God that night. Hallelujah. But I got in the presence of God. I know more than God checked into my room, put my luggage away. And I was in the presence of God. Hallelujah. It wasn't hard. I chose to be in the presence of God. Now, here's what I do. One of the first things I do, and I'm staying in hotels all over the world. I don't know who was in that room before I got there. I don't know what they were doing. But the first thing I do is cast all them devils out of there. And then I turn on my praise and worship music. And one of my favorites is her song. And I, I, while I'm unpacking, I just got to play it playing. Filling the atmosphere with praise and worship because that's one of the things David taught or that's one of the things David said and I learned from him. Enter his presence with thanksgiving and praise, singing, psalms, hallelujah, amen. You know, you can can get in the presence of God while you're in the kitchen. Just keep just keep praise and worship going. And if I'm not listening to praise and worship, I got Kenneth Hagin playing. I got Oral Roberts playing. Kenneth Copeland or T.L. Osmond or John Osteen. Those guys go with me everywhere I go. And I'll set that little iPod up and I'll I'll, I'll pick a tape or a message I want to hear and I'll just start playing it and I'm doing other things, you know, and and taking care of whatever needs to be taken care of. But I got the praise going on in that room. I got the preaching of the word going on in that room. And by the time I walk out of that door, hey, I'm ready, praise God. I'm ready. I've been in his presence. And it's not hard to do. You just have to make a decision to do it. Now, Psalm 95 verse two says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Even if you can't sing, you can make a joyful noise. On. Amen. And after hearing some of you sing, I'm glad. <laughs> I was in a service one time and, and uh, I just started praising God while we're singing. And the guy next to me said, what, what are you praising God for? I said, well, I used to wish I could sing now. I wish you could. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> he got a kick out of that. <laughs> he couldn't sing a lick, but he made a joyful noise. Hallelujah. Amen. The message translation said, come, let's shout praises to God. Let's raise the roof. For the rock who saved us Let's raise the roof For the rock who saved us Let's march into his presence Singing psalms And lifting the rafters with hymns Hallelujah You can do that all by yourself Amen Now Psalm 9 8 says When mine enemies Are turned back They shall fall at thy presence and they and fall and perish at thy presence notice you get in the presence of God, and every assignment of your adversary is broken the Bible says uh, that in his presence the adversary's plans are stilled and stopped hallelujah. I'm telling you how the Bible says we ought to respond to a crisis. How the Bible says we ought to respond to adversity. You remember in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, uh, Paul and Silas in prison. They've been beaten, their backs are bloody. And the Bible says at midnight, they sang praises unto God. Don't you know that's the last thing Silas wanted to do? Silas is thinking, man, I get to travel with the Apostle Paul. Hallelujah, what a privilege. First day out, he gets beat up. (laughs) Thrown in prison. Man, I didn't know it was going to be like this. And Paul's standing there in chains and he says, sing, Silas, sing. (laughs) Say what? Sing, Silas, sing. What do we got to sing about? Just sing praises Don't lose your joy Amen Paul was a man of joy A man of faith But a man of joy as well In fact most theologians Refer to the book Or the letter to the Philippian church As the joy letter Constantly throughout that letter He's talking about rejoicing And again I say rejoice Can you say amen Amen. Now if you think that you have trouble let me read to you about a man who really had trouble and I don't think it will your trouble will compare to this man's trouble and I'm going to show you how he responded to it the bible way Habakkuk or Habakkuk, chapter 3 verse 17 and 18 listen to this you got it up, up, up there? Okay, I'll read it to you. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, the flock shall be cut off from the herd, and there shall be no herd in the stall. It's up there now. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail. The field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. There shall be no herd in the stalls. Now that's what you call a bad day. Amen. I think that may be where he all got. Trouble and despair. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. (laughs) That's what he haw says Some of you are looking at me like What's he haw? (laughs) Look it up on YouTube Look Nothing is working for this guy Not one positive thing But don't stop reading there Look at the next verse Yet Everybody say yet. yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will joy in the God of my salvation that's the Bible way to respond to adversity. Yes. That's the Bible way to respond to a crisis. Yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Yes. All right. I'm going to close it with this. I'm going to read Proverbs 24:10 once again, but this time I'm going to read it from the message translation. You remember what it says? If thou faint in the day of adversity, that strength is small now. This is going to sting a little bit. Get ready. This is going to sting a little bit. If you fall to pieces in a crisis, then there wasn't much to you in the first place. (laughs) If you fall to pieces in a crisis, then there wasn't much to you in the first place. Say that again, Vic. My Lord, my, 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 Lord. (laughs) All right, now, while you're stinging, let me give you this one too. James chapter one and verse two and three from the message translation. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced out into the open and shows its true colors. Your faith life is forced out into the open And shows it's true colors So adversity As we said at the beginning Has a way of revealing What you're made of You respond the way the world responds And there'll be agony and despair (laughs) You respond the way the Bible says And there is victory There is victory No matter how severe the attack There's always victory If you respond the way the Bible says to respond Psalm 34, 19, the Passion Translation says, Even when bad things happen to good and godly people, the Lord saves them and will not let them be defeated by what they're going through or what they're facing. And Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 from the Message Translation, There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you Would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish. Look at your neighbor and say, That's where I'm headed. That sounds like supernatural increase to me, praise God. A flourishing finish. Can you say amen? amen? Don't let Satan deceive you into thinking there's no way out, that you cannot overcome this. You can. You can. Look at your neighbor and point to him and say, You can overcome this. Amen. Let's give the Lord a good shout of praise to him. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I got I got one more last thing to share with you. I was watching Joe in the first service this morning, and I heard I heard the Lord say this. He was talking about choices. I heard the Lord say this Come daily into my presence, and I will give you the wisdom to make the right choices. That will bring victory to you every time Don't allow yourself to be limited By what you see in the natural Look through the eyes of faith Let my word be final authority And I will make everything right Dare to trust me And I will cause you to succeed And to prosper Regardless of your circumstances This is still your time To experience supernatural increase Beyond anything you've ever experienced before So receive it And refuse to let it go Hallelujah. You received that? Praise God. Come on, stand to your feet if you will. Hallelujah. Father, I pray over every person in the building, watching my live stream. And I pray that they, everyone, will respond to the crisis, to the adversity, the Bible way. Because that's what you want them to do. And that's how success comes to them. Lift your hand and say, and Lord, you can count on me, I'll do it. Lord, you count on me, I'll do it. Amen and amen. <laughs> Praise God.